You say, I'm Christy. I'm Christy. I'm Kyle. Yes. Enjoy. Like the same. Like. Oh, yeah. You know? Okay, ready? Okay, go ahead. Welcome to Truly Equal, a Christian egalitarian approach to marriage. I'm Christy. I'm Kyle. Enjoy. Welcome back to Truly Equal, episode 13. In this episode, we'll be covering the second section of Tambor Personality. I'd like to uh, invite you to leave a comment about this podcast if you like it. Uh, you can leave it a comment on iTunes in the form of a rating and a review. And you can also leave a comment on uh, our website, trulyequalpodcast.com. Also, uh, be sure to like our Facebook page, Truly Equal Podcast. And also follow us on Twitter, Truly Equal Podcast as well. I Actually, I think it's Truly Equal Pod. So, yeah, there we are with that. Anyway, um, let's get into this. So, um, let's recap a bit, you think? Okay. Okay. So, we're in the Marriage as a Love Song series. Yeah. And we have three sections within that, which are rhythm, timbre, and melody. And we're in the timbre section, so just a quick recap, if you don't know what the word timbre means, it's referring to the tone of the mu- the musical instrument. So, for example, when you play a certain note on the piano, uh, it may sound different than when you play the same note on a guitar. So that's referring to the different ways that people are made up and the different things they bring to the marriage. Yeah. So, yeah. What we've, what we've done is we've divided up timbre into three subsections, which are personality which is today and we covered spiritual gifts last week and we may spend a couple weeks on personality and then the final thing we'll do is called context yeah so yeah so that's a little intro and recap and now let's get into it yeah we're super excited to talk about personalities because uh we love talking about personalities and at any time like right now we're doing this marriage group where we're going through some personalities and stuff and figuring out all of our personality types and yeah. things like that. So we think that this is really helpful for, for us and people. And yeah. Yeah. I think too, it's, it's very popular now. I think as, I don't know, you know, we're both millennials and we're like <laughs> trying to figure out who we are and stuff. And I think that personality tests are something that are very intriguing to us because I feel like we don't really know who we are sometimes and personality tests can really help us out with that. So I think it's always just kind of a fun thing, uh, even to just talk about like at parties and, you know, whenever yeah. you, it's kind of fun to just think about. So, yeah, I think too, cause we're talking about how two people are different in the marriage and what that looks like. And so a lot of the books or podcasts that we've listened to, um, have always taken this like gendered perspective mm. on marriage and come at it from like, okay, well, men um, should act this way. Like this is how God made men. So that's how men need to behave. Right. And then women need to act this way. That's how God made women. And that's their role. And so for us, those ways of coming at marriage were never helpful because we didn't fit those like stereotypical gendered roles right. for men and for women. So right. we really think that coming at it from um, spiritual gifts standpoint and uh, this personality today standpoint, and then also context will really help broaden what that looks like for marriage Yeah, and, like, and help, you know, everybody feel included instead of just like this very narrow, like definition of a man and very narrow definition of a woman. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just to go into like an example from my own past. So I grew up in a more uh, complementarian understanding of what a marriage should be. And within that, 
you know, there's a phrase that's kind of tossed around a lot like, well, God's design for marriage is this thing, Mm. you know, or and then that kind of goes further into it. Like God designed men to be the leader and God designed women to be more submissive. And so if you as I sometimes I was kind of almost forced into a leadership role (laughs) as a man when I didn't necessarily want that or I didn't feel like I was qualified. Like sometimes I'd be like, well, there's people that are more qualified than me. Why do I get to lead this thing? You know, when I felt like it was simply because I was a man, Yeah. you know, so it was a lot of um, inner conflict within me because I was like, okay, well, I know I'm supposed to lead, but sometimes I don't feel like I should lead. And is that bad? <laughs> you know, like, and I think for you too, you it had... It was the exact opposite for right. me. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm told like as a woman, you're supposed to submit and like be a very good helper and like service, like serving people, you know, hospitality, like all that kind of stuff, having people over to your house, making meals, yeah, whatever, all this like helping others. And that is not one of my strong suits of my personality or my spiritual gifts or, or anything like that's just not who I am. That doesn't mean I can't ever do that. It just means that I'm very uncomfortable in those positions. Right. And so it caused me to like question, am I like a good woman? Like I must, something's wrong with me, you know? And also the whole idea of like having like opinions or being strong willed or something like that's not a good thing for women to have. And I definitely was like that, like, like always, yeah, (laughs) you know, and it's like, okay, well, you know, be like more quiet or like, you know, (laughs) stop having so many opinions. It's it's okay. Like, and I'm like, I don't know how to stop. I just have them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So So you just say them. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I don't know, like it's a lot different. I think once we realized that there was an egalitarian way of, thinking through marriage that like, oh, it's not necessarily gender-based how you do marriage and how you live your life. It can be more based on your gifts, spiritual yeah. spiritual gifts. Like, you know, we talked about last week how my gifts are wisdom and exhortation primarily and yours are discernment. shepherding and, and discernment. Yeah. And so those that shepherding and discernment piece is so valuable um, not in like a service way. Right. You know, right. like not in a doing way per se. It's more like like a lot of talking and like coming alongside people and like helping them figure out, you know, what it is they're dealing with and stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's I very it's, different. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think too. So coming at it from this personality perspective really helps um, like what it helps you identify what are your strengths? How can you become more of you? Mm-hmm. Like the best version of yourself possible. What are your weaknesses? You know, and and the goal is to also strengthen our weaknesses, right? Um, and yeah, but also like, what are your strengths and how can you use them best? And how does that fit together in your marriage? Right, so that you're both both people are using their strengths, and that really like you know makes a marriage thrive. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so then just kind of to lead into it, we've been on a search on a journey for a personality typing system that yeah. be is a little different than our what we grew up you know hearing and so we found i don't know if you've ever heard of the myers-briggs test mm-hmm. that's pretty good and i think that there's certainly value in it but we've really really found value in this new personality typing system that i feel like everybody is talking about um, <laughs> and we'll talk about it too so go uh, go us but um it's gonna be it's it's called the enneagram yep and so the Enneagram, if you haven't heard of it, it 
uh, literally means, so it means nine, the Greek word for nine, and then gram is a drawing. So it's uh, nine, uh, what do you call it? Points. points. Yeah, points. <laughs> yep. Nine points um, drawing. So, and it talks a lot about uh, one, it's a numbered system. Yeah. So everyone, uh, every person has generally a number on the Enneagram. One of the nine numbers. Yep. One through nine. So either you're a one or a two or a three all the way up through nine. Yep. So, and we thought that it'd be cool to just kind of go through the basics Mm -hmm. of each number. Yes. So. So the book that we found the most helpful on this is called The Road Back to You. Mm -hmm. Um, It's written by Ian Cron and Suzanne Stabile Stabile or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's a newer book that came out recently. And so we'll link to it on our show notes on our website. Yep. And we found it to be very helpful, very easy to read. Um, And something cool that they wrote at the end of each personality type was 10 paths to spiritual transformation. Yes. Which I think is really cool because it focuses for each personality. How can you best grow to become to like strengthen your weaknesses? Right. You know, but you're still yourself. You're not like losing your personality. Yep. In in the meanwhile. So um, also a quote from that book before we go in into the different personality types is for the record. No personality type is better or worse than another. Each has its own strengths and weaknesses, and none is gender biased. Yes. So just keep that in mind going into this. <laughs> yep. So you don't have to think, oh, well, certain numbers are more better for men and certain are far for women. Right. So. Or just that any number is like better or worse than another number. I think that was hard for me at the first, like when I would read it, I'd be like, oh, well, clearly like God likes this kind of personality better. Yeah. You know, and this other kind of personality is like worse to have. But no, that's not true. Like we need to stop thinking that way because mm-hmm. God made everybody, you know, with these unique personalities and there's commonality between us, but also each individual is That's unique too because yep. this is like so they also talk about thinking about the personalities on a spectrum of like color. Yep. So say like a number is like red. Well, there's tons of variations of the color red, you right. know. And so uh, that's like what each of these numbers is like. It just is like a representation of a spectrum of colors. Yep. So you have a lot of differences in between each number as well. Yep. Exactly. So, oh, yeah. yeah, let's hop into it. Okay. Uh, do you want to start? Yeah. Okay. We'll go back and forth. So type one is the title for them is the perfectionist. Hmm. Ethical, dedicated, and reliable. They are motivated by a desire to live the right way, improve the world, and avoid fault and blame. Mm. Oh, and also before we keep going, the key thing about all of these is the motivation. Yes, that's a huge thing to remember about the Enneagram before we go any further. So if you're curious, so if you're interested in typing yourself or trying to figure out what you are, I think that what I would say first is pick up a copy of a book about the Enneagram. Uh, We would recommend The Road Back to You. Of course, there are lots of other ones, but I would say it's important and they stress this in the book too to look at why you're doing what you're doing yeah um don't just it's not necessarily a behavioral type of test it's more of like the motivation behind that behavior because yeah. so. everybody does lots of different behaviors but the reasons that they do it are different yeah <laughs> so i thought that was really cool yep um and, oh and by the way all of these definitions are coming from the book the road back to you yep so that's where we're reading them from so just to reiterate, the type one is they're motivated by a desire to live the right way, improve the world, and avoid fault and blame. Mm-hmm. Type two, uh, they are called the helpers. So type two, the helper, and they are warm, 
caring and giving uh, and motivated by a need to be loved and needed and to avoid acknowledging their own needs. Yes. So those are type two. So we have type three is the performer. They're success-oriented, image-conscious, and wired for productivity. They are motivated by a need to be, or appear to be, successful and to avoid failure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Type four is the romantic. These people are creative, sensitive, and moody, and motivated by a need to be understood, experience their oversized feelings, and avoid being ordinary. Type five is the investigator. They're analytical, detached, and private. They are motivated by a need to gain knowledge, conserve energy, and avoid relying on others. Okay, type six is the loyalist. So they are committed, practical, and witty. Uh, They're also worst case scenario thinkers, and they are motivated by fear and the need for security. Type seven is the enthusiast. They're fun, spontaneous, and adventurous. They are motivated by need to be happy, to plan stimulating experiences, and to avoid pain. Type eight is the challenger. So challengers are commanding, intense, and confrontational, and motivated by a need to be strong and avoid feeling weak or vulnerable. And then finally, number nine is the peacemaker. Pleasant, laid back, and accommodating They are motivated by a need to keep the peace, merge with others, and avoid conflict. Perfect. So, yes, those are the nine types. Very, very briefly, of course. Yeah, very briefly. There's a lot more. They have a chapter on every single type, so we just wanted to do an overview. Yep, exactly. Give you a taste to give you the bug to buy the book. Yeah. buy the book do whatever you need your research yeah you know (laughs) no one's paying us to like say these things we just love the book (laughs) yeah it's a great book yeah and to go even further i think too so you might wonder where the diagram itself what what role that plays in this so basically you can envision a circle and then there are nine different points on that circle and so there's each a number on each point and then in the middle of the circle there's arrows connecting certain numbers and so you might wonder what that means um basically each number has another number that it Mm -hmm. goes to in stressful times and then one more number in times of security yeah so that those are called your your stress number and then your security number which is i think something that the enneagram provides that the myers-briggs doesn't like it the enneagram is more fluid where it shows that your personality can change depending on how like stressed out you are or how like secure you feel yep um so because environment really does change how we behave (laughs) yeah so i mean just to give an example so for example the three so the three would go to a, according to the diagram, it would go to a nine in stress. And then in security, it would go to a six. So yeah. that would be an example. Yeah. Um, and another thing that the Enneagram has, which makes it fairly unique, is um, that there is a deadly sin for each type. Oh. Well, so. b- before the deadly sin, the so there's also the two numbers on each side of whatever oh, yeah. number you are. Mm-hmm. Those are called the wings. Yes. Um. So you could be like a nine with a one wing or an eight wing on how it's set up. Right. And so that will 
there's, you know, variances in personality type and how you behave depending on how strong, which wing it is that you have. Yeah. And, and to be clear too, a lot of people display both wings at certain times in their lives. So certainly, but it's just saying in general, sometimes people have a strong, like, you know, maybe you're a nine, a very strong nine, but then you have this really big desire to, uh, do things correctly and the right way. Well, you're probably a nine with a one wing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And the book goes more into depth of what all that means. But yeah. Yeah. So anyways, you were going back to each number has a deadly sin. <laughs> yes. Yes. So each number has a deadly sin, which kind of um, is something that the the number struggles with a lot. So yeah. I'd like to go through those because yeah, I think those are really it. helpful for, for um, they're kind of almost a take on, I don't know if you've heard of the seven deadly sins. So they do have, those are basically all of them and right. then they added two more. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, so the first one, so for ones, uh, or if you recall, they're the perfectionists. Mm-hmm. So their deadly sin is anger. Yeah. So, and, and it takes the form more of like a, a smoldering resentment against things that are done sort of not the best way they could be. Yeah. So. And the two is, I think, the helper, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And their deadly sin is pride. Yes. And then... Uh, threes so threes are the performer and so they're a little more image conscious so their deadly sin is deceit so they try to kind of put on this mask or image that people they think that people want to see so that's a their deadly sin and then the four was the romantic and their deadly sin is envy which is like not necessarily for possessions but it was saying for like um other people what other people like personality types they have or or something like that yeah or like (laughs) or like characteristics and life you know like maybe they're maybe there's a person that's like you know doing a routine mundane job and then they see someone on facebook that's like out you know hiking through europe or something (laughs) and then they're like oh i really wish i could do that yeah you know that would be that envy because it's romantic (laughs) right exactly so and then for number five um, that, if you recall, is the investigator, and their uh, deadly sin is called avarice, um, or basically that would be, it's a little tough to, to understand at first, but avarice meaning like they're trying to hoard something that they think is important. Especially like time and stuff. Yes. So, so like avarice, I we looked it up and it's like sort of a synonym of it is greed. Right. But you know, when you think of greed, you normally think of like money or possessions or like tangible things. Right. Whereas like that's not the case for the five. It's like time or like Resources. energy or, you know, yeah, things like that. <laughs> right. And then we have the six. What was the, the six? The six called? is a loyalist. A loyalist. Yeah. yeah. And their deadly sin is fear. Yes. So like imagining like a worst case scenario type thing. Yeah. Yeah. And having it always hold them back. Yep. Uh, and then for number seven, they're the enthusiasts. So there's, these are the really fun loving people and their sin, a deadly sin is gluttony. So you mm-hmm. typically think of gluttony <laughs> being like eating all the food, which isn't necessarily too far off sometimes for <laughs> sevens. You never know. But they also, it's mostly concerned with wanting all the fun things all yeah, the time like a gluttony for adventure or excitement or something yep like yeah. too much of a good thing yeah so then eight was called the what uh, it's called the challenger challenger and their deadly sin is lust oh maybe it's the eights that that's the intensity one yeah the lust for intensity yep it's just a little different than the seven <laughs> yep but yeah so the the eight is always like lusting after like 
more stimulating things to happen. <laughs> yeah. And then for the nine, uh, they were, are the peacemakers and their deadly sin is sloth. So kind of just generally being lazy and yeah. um, sometimes personal development or just in life in general. So yeah, I think the book mentioned, especially like spiritual laziness. Yeah. Like not even just a physical thing, but like a, like a, as a part of their mind and spirit and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But yeah. And, and so then I think too, um, it's really important to talk about how the Enneagram talks about each type and how you can have it be unhealthy. Oh yeah. yeah. And then, so for example, like if, if it was a three, um, there would be an unhealthy person that would, they would be like really concerned about their image and, um, project that image for whatever person they're around. And they're like trying to be liked and really just cannot, you know, find who they really are because they just want to be liked by everybody yeah and that would be more of an unhealthy three and then there's the average um there's there's average and then that would be someone who is moving uh and exemplifies like they're aware of the fact that they do this you know they have some level of self-awareness and so they're trying to get better at that and uh then the the last one would be like healthy so Mm -hmm. that you are completely self-aware that you've taken steps to recognize that this is these are things that you do and why you do them and you like try to change your motivation yeah behind that and yeah and that's something that i just love about this personality typing test the enneagram is that it has the unhealthy average and healthy so you know like you're not just stuck where you're at you always have room for growth and improvement um, and yet you can still be yourself. Right. And so that looks different for each personality type, which is like mind blowing to me when I first <laughs> discovered that. I'm like, wait, everybody doesn't like grow in the same way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think sometimes like in the church, I know we can focus so much on like the sin of pride or something, mm-hmm. but maybe for like, you know, someone with the, the two personality type which is their deadly sin is pride that's like super difficult for them to struggle with but say for like i don't know some other type when pride isn't their like deadly sin then it's like oh yeah no big deal like i don't struggle with that and then you could miss your deadly sin that you do struggle with so um yeah i just think it's like helpful to know that all the personality types have strengths and weaknesses they all have a deadly sin they all can be you can improve in your personality type or like not improve you know like you have these choices that you can make yeah they're not gender based you know they're not like um the only thing that i that i would that they do say in the book is they talk about how it can be difficult for female eights so that's the only gender part that they included in these yeah yeah because it, it is somewhat difficult in this society to be a female and also be a challenge if you so it's a a challenger is the Mm -hmm. is the eight so um but yeah other than that it's really just each person can be any of these numbers and so it doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl these are things that face all of us right so and it can can apply to all of us so right so i think that's super helpful so yeah Mm -hmm. Get the book, yeah. read it, explore your personality type. <laughs> and stick around for next week right. uh, when we will be covering what our personality types yes. are. More in depth. More in depth, yes. Um, well, we'll reveal what our personality types are too. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Uh, see if maybe you could leave us a comment and... Guess uh, what our personality yeah, guess what we are. Is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah <don't laughs> totally. do that. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would be super curious. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, you've listened to us maybe for the last 12 or 13 episodes or something and then you're like... I think that this is probably what Kyle is or Christy or whatever. So I'd be curious. (laughs) But yeah, um, again, so 
please uh, give us a like on our Facebook or uh, follow us on Twitter too and keep up and with Instagram. us. Yeah, and Instagram. Yeah, and Instagram too. Yes. <laughs> Christy has been posting some amazing things. Yes. So she's great. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. Anyway, we're probably going to go and enjoy some of this Minnesota sun and this Minnesota spring. Yes. So yeah. have a great week, guys. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.